Gospel of John chapter 21 verses 1 to 17 John Gospel 21 verses 1 following Afterward Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the sea of Tiberi as it happened this way Simon Peter Thomas called Didymus Nathanael from Cana in Galilee the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together I am going out to fish Simon Peter told them and they said we'll go with you so they went out and got into the boat but that night they caught nothing early in the morning Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus he called to them friends haven't you any fish no they answered he said throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some when they did they were unable to haul the net it because of the large number of fish then the disciples whom Jesus loud said to Peter it is the lord as soon as simon peter heard him say it is the lord he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and jumped into the water the other disciples followed in the boat towing the net full of fish for they were not far from shore about a hundred yards when they landed they saw a fire of burning coals where with fish on and some bread jesus said to them bring some of the fish you have just caught simon peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore it was full of large fish 153 but even with so many the net was not torn jesus said to them come and have breakfast none of the disciples dared to ask him who are you they knew it was the lord jesus came took the bread and gave to them and did the same with the fish this was now the third time jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead when they had finished eating jesus eating jesus said to simon peter simon son of john do you truly love me more than this yes lord he said you know that i love you jesus said feed my feed my lambs again jesus said simon son of john do you truly love me he answered yes lord you know that i love you jesus said take care of my sheep the third time he said to him simon son of john do you love me peter was hurt because jesus asked him the third time do you love me he said lord you know all things you know that i love you jesus said feed my sheep here is the reading of the word of god 
and may I call up Franklin to deliver the sermon. Thank you, Pastor, for uh, reading the scripture passage. Um, before going into the sermon, shall we look to the Lord in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for this wonderful day that you have given us, Lord. Thank you for bringing us to this place of worship. And even we, as we spend some time in meditating your word and listening from your word, Lord, we ask that you speak to us, you help us to listen to your word. Lord, uh, cover me with your presence so that I may speak what you have intended for this church and let it be edifying for the congregation as well, Lord. Lord, we commit each and every one of us into your hands. I ask this prayer in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So as uh, informed uh, by you, we are starting a new uh, series from this month, which is on teaching and healing ministry of uh, Jesus. Uh, Jesus, uh, post-resurrection, we had a small sermon series where we uh, talked about what is resurrection to us and how, what, it, uh, what it means to us. Then we had a smaller series on what is the impact on church and what is church all about and what resurrection means to church. And now we are starting a series on what is the healing and teaching ministry of uh, Jesus as such and, what, and why it matters to us as such. And as this is the first installment in that series. And as we all know, Jesus was a master teacher, isn't it? He, he taught in many ways. He taught in parables. He taught through uh, through healing a per- healing the blind. You see in the scripture, it is we can see Jesus heals a person and asks why, why does this uh, person was born blind. He teaches through different ways. He teaches in a lecture format as well. Yeah, the Sermon on the Mount. We see that Jesus teaches as a as a lecture uh, kind of a mood, uh, and in, in different ways uh, Jesus uh, teaches. And this is. Uh, one of the ways in which there is a small passage that we are going to look after after the resurrection where Jesus uh, was teaching their disciples on a very important aspect. And as you look into this passage, uh, the context behind this passage is very, very interesting because this current passage that we are going to meditate today, John uh, 21, is not recorded in the other three Gospels. It's only Gospel John records about this in his uh, gospel and it doesn't get featured in any other three uh, books and even the way in it which it's written so if you look at to John 20 and if you have it Bibles if you could follow uh, closely John 20 verses 30 um, it talks about Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples which are not recorded in this books but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name It seems that John is just summarizing and the book is coming to an end and everything like the lights coming off, the curtains coming down and then you have a passage which talks about afterward Jesus appeared uh, as if a plane is landing and it's again uh, taking off and generally speaking uh, there is a great significance uh, for the final moments of any person Uh, if you have lost a loved one you will always remember the last conversation that you had with the person uh, there are a lot of important speeches that we can recall, uh, which are given by many important people, where the last speech is still remembered. If you 
take for example uh, Martin Luther King the Jr. His speech, I Have a Dream, which is quite talkin talked about just some time before he uh, uh, died and that stays with people. Even in my case, I lost my dad uh, two, almost two years back and still we talk about the last day he talked to us, the last uh, time we prayed as a family and all those things. So those last moments are very, very important for any person. Uh, speaking from that, Jesus last, almost the last interaction of his earthly life, his disciple, is recorded in this passage. And, and we will be looking into like, what, what it means to us and why it is uh, important, uh, important for, uh, for us. Um, yeah, if you can go to the next slide. Uh, if you can go to the next slide. Yeah, so um, if you see uh, the significance of it, Jesus clearly instructs his disciples that they need to go to uh, Galilee. If you, could, uh, uh, if you could just observe what Jesus' special instruction to his disciple was just after his resurrection, he meets the disciples, he meets Mary the Magdalene and instructs them very specifically that go to Galilee and I will meet you there. And that is a very significant thing in Jesus' uh, Jesus. Uh, guidance because Galilee is kind of located uh, way up here and he's asking them to go from Jerusalem to Galilee almost a three days walk and very specific that I will I will meet you there so Jesus had a purpose in his meeting and our God is a God who doesn't do things in accidents we see that quite often in our Bible like he when he heals he meets the Samaritan woman takes a detour and he goes to the place where the Samaritan woman is and then has a conversation even in the case uh, where he heals the man with the uh, with the demon possessed man, the man with the legion, uh, he takes a boat, he goes to that place, and then he heals them. So God has a purpose for very specific things, and he almost he also asks his disciples. I'm not sure how did they travel, did they walk, did they travel on a donkey? But he asks them that you go to this place, Galilee, and I'll meet you there. And this is the setting in which. Uh, which this uh, this things uh, happen or this uh, things are taking place and if we come to this how this incident is even narrated we will be looking into uh, it's a very interesting passage as I uh, told in the earlier Jesus is, uh, is is teaching them about certain very important things and out of that we'll closely meditate on what are the three important lessons that Jesus teaches us as a teacher uh, early in the 18th century uh, there was quite interest on to document how do people learn actually, what are the ways in which teacher, uh, people learn. We have a lot of teachers, principals, vice principals in our congregation and they may be aware of this that it's a quite interest for a school or a, a college to know how do people learn and this was studied by different researchers and if you can go to the uh, next slide, uh, uh, this person called William Glazer he came up with a theory called uh, the uh, learning pyramid. So what does learning pyramid say? Is that how do we learn is that we learn 10% of what we read, we learn 20% of what we hear, we learn 30% of what we see, 50% of what we see here, see and hear, 70% of what is discussed with others, 80% of what is experienced personally and 95% of what we teach to someone else. And now we'll closely see what kind of method is Jesus using in this in this teaching, the final teaching. He is he knows that this is important for the disciples. He has taught several several sermons to them. He has taught taught them about several things. And this is a close uh, 
another setting that he has almost set it up. He has asked them to go to Galilee and he's about to uh, meet them uh, meet them in Galilee. Also interesting to notice how John writes the gospel. Every gospel has a purpose and the way of it, it is written is different from each other. So if you see the same kind of narration or same miracle even mentioned in other gospels, there will be slight difference of how the author writes it. John has a very interesting way of writing. Even at the starting of the book, John starts it in the beginning there was word, very philosophical in nature and very different ways of uh, writing. Similarly, John, uh, scholars believe John, the miracles that he has chosen in Bible to be represented are also very specific. He only chooses seven miracles in his, in his uh, depiction or in his gospel and each miracle is followed by a teaching. So very specific, very choosy. He doesn't want to go into all the miracles, but only seven miracles he wants to wants us to learn from Jesus' life. And each of this miracle is followed by a teaching. That's called uh, the miracles are signs in gospel. John mentions miracle that these are signs that Jesus performed, and each sign is followed by a teaching. So if you can go to the next slide, we can see that some of these miracles, for instance, uh, in John two, there is a miracle mentioned about turning of water into my wine. That is followed by Jesus' teaching with Nicodemus where he teaches about new birth, new life and how the transformation from an old wine to new wine could happen. Similarly, feeding of 5,000 in John 6, Jesus feeds 5,000. Then he follows up with saying, I am the bread of life. How the breads were uh, given to people. Then he follows up the teaching on bread of life. Resurrection of Lazarus. Jesus resurrects Lazarus from death. And then uh, he teaches them about I am the resurrection and life. In the same chapter, he talks about uh, about these things. So in a way that is very, very significant that all the miracles that are recorded in John prior to this 21st chapter have a specific teaching that is uh, followed by. And in that way, this miraculous catch of fish, uh, disciples being on the sea, and how it all this comes together is a very interesting passage that we could, uh, we could uh, reflect on. And also this... Uh, this passage actually comes right before the Great Commission, isn't it? Great Commission is something, the last, uh, last instruction that Jesus gave to us. And if we could just turn to uh, Matthew chapter 28 and look at the Great Commission. Um, uh, Matthew 28 verses uh, 17 onwards. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, and this is the Great Commission, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. For very few people, very few disciples, he is giving this momentous task of spreading the gospel across the world and saying that you make disciples, uh, teach them to obey everything. And this is given to a very small number of people. And, and it's a humongous task that they will have to uh, follow in the coming, uh, coming days of how to do this, how to take forward this great commission. And what I believe is that this teaching that God gives in this John 21st chapter is actually how to do the great commission. In what way you can achieve the great commission and what are the ways in which uh, you can take the great uh, commission as such. The other interesting fact about this book, about this John 21st is, the first calling of disciple happens in the 
in, in the Sea of Galilee, if you look at uh, Luke chapter 5 or Matthew chapter 4, Jesus calls Peter uh, and the brothers of and the brothers uh, John and Jacob from the from the Sea of Galilee. He asks them that you come and follow me. They start following him. Luke mentions it of uh, Jesus sitting on a boat asking them to throw their net on a side and they are, get a large chunk of fish and they are not able to contain the fish in a net. So there is a kind of deja vu kind of happening, a total recall like. All things again happening in the same way. And now if we come to this chapter uh, 21, um, it talks about uh, in the verse 3, uh, Jesus, uh, Simon Peter says, I am going out to fish. And uh, all of the disciples uh, go to fish. And it says that, so they went out and got into the boat, but that night uh, they caught nothing. And early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not realize that it was uh, Jesus. You have all the disciples almost doing all the things again, like a total flashback is happening to them. They are at the Sea of Galilee, they are again fishing, they are again on the boat, as Jesus called them on the first day. And Jesus is taking them through this kind of experiential learning of how do you experience and learn what is needed the most. And the first lesson that he teaches the disciples and also for us in our ministry, in our, in our, in our day-to-day life of a fruitful living Christian life, the first lesson that he teaches us is accept human inability. He makes sure that disciples go to Galilee. Jesus doesn't appear on the as soon as they reach Galilee. He waits for them to see what happens next, what are the things that they win. Simon Peter goes to fishing as it was the case before. He turns back to his older ways and people are and disciples are with him and they are not able to catch anything it, it the verse four says early in the morning just to depict uh, saying he, they were there in that galilee sea for almost one night fully trying to get uh, a fish but they were able to uh, catch uh, nothing and this is what i think uh, this uh, uh, this passage uh, teaches us or the lessons that we have uh, uh, for us is that apart from God, apart from Him being in control, uh, we do not, we can do nothing. And what does that apply to us, apply to our life? What does that mean for us? Without God, if we are nothing, uh, we can do nothing. What is that human inability? What is the application part of it? What we could do is, uh, Jesus says in uh, John 15, isn't it? Remain in me as I, al- as I also remain in you. Uh, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in me. In, uh, remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruits unless you remain in me. For a fruitful Christian life, for a fruitful Christian ministry, it's very essential that we accept a human inability. We focus on God's ability and, and trust in Him rather than depending fully on our capability and on our, our strengths as such. And how do, we, how do we remain in me? What, what, what does that mean for remain in me or abide in me? Or what does that mean to uh, stay connected to Jesus? I think these are very simple things we quite often hear. Praying, reading the word of God, staying in fellowship. Those are the things which helps us to uh, remain in me, remain in uh, Jesus as such. Uh, if you could turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 1. Uh, which talks about a very interesting uh, thing. It says, We must pay most careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard, so that we do not drift away. We do not drift away. Drift away is very, very, um, 
interesting word. Uh, we don't go as a believers. We might not cut off from the word of cut off from His presence all of a sudden. It's possible that you can slowly drift away if you don't remain in Him, like a boat just flowing with the waves, like a boat going with the waves and flowing away. Uh, you can drift away if you don't pay careful attention. The first teaching that God teaches His disciple that if you want to achieve the Great Commission, if you want to do what I have commanded, my final teaching for you in this earth post-resurrection uh, will be that you need to remain in Me and accept the human inability. You will not be able to catch any fish, or for that matter, you will be not able to catch anything. You might not be able to get people to this church if you are not able to remain in me, if the focus of us is not on Jesus himself. The second teaching that uh, he uh, gives uh, for this, the second lesson that he has for us is uh, they have to follow the wisdom. They have to follow the wisdom of God. He talks about cast your nets. If you come to the verses uh, 7 onwards, I am reading John chapter 21 verse 7 onwards. Then the disciple whom Jesus uh, Verse 6 onwards, uh, he said, throw your nets on the right side of the boat and you will find, find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Jesus, before that, he asked, friends, haven't you had any fish? For fishermen who were kind of fishing all night, that was kind of a rude question, isn't it? Key? Uh, friends, uh, haven't you had any fish? In other version, it says, little children. Didn't you have any fish? Kind of sarcastically, Jesus asked them, Haven't you got any fish? And uh, they say they don't have. And Jesus then asked them that, Throw your net to the, uh, the side of the uh, boat. And interestingly, the, fisher, uh, the disciples obey. And it is mentioned that they then got a huge uh, a net full of fish. Again, a flashback uh, to the same incidents which is again quoted in Luke 5. By the first calling of disciples, as I said, was on the Sea of Galilee. The first calling of the disciples, if you come to Luke chapter 5, and uh, I'm reading for verse 4, the same verses Jesus says there again. He says, when he has finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep waters and let, let down the nets for a catch. Almost he does a flashback for him. He, this was your first calling. Again, I'm calling, I'm, I'm, uh, the incident is again happening. They are again at the sea. Jesus is again asking them to uh, put the nets on the sea. They put it and they are able to get, uh, they are able to get uh, a lot of uh, fish as such. The other thing uh, here about, apart, apart from trusting God, is it's, it's obeying His sovereignty. God is a sovereign God. Uh, if He wants people to come to His uh, presence, he reveals himself, he gets people, he, he, he controls the fish. If you see, he makes the fish uh, come to this net, isn't it? God guides the fish, all of them to uh, go to this fish. He controls the fish, he, he, he makes sure that people are obeying his words. Even the creatures are obeying his words. But the interesting part is, and part of the disciple is uh, trusting him. Trusting is a little different from believing, isn't it? I am reminded of a story uh, uh, which uh, uh, which is narrated as such. Uh, that in in US there is a place called Grand Canyon, which is a set of two hills, and there was a stunt man, a stunt man who had tied rope between these two Grand Canyon, and he he had invited all the people from the nearby villages that he is going to cross the Grand Canyon. 
So he had tied this ropes and uh, people were there to witness it and everyone was there including his family and all of them were there and the person starts walking on this, uh, this uh, at a very high altitude he walks. So first he goes, people are afraid to see how he will cross and he crosses successfully. People cheer him, he's very uh, everyone is happy that he has pulled out this amazing trick. Then he says that I am going to blindfold and walk. Uh, do you believe me? He asks. People say yes, yes, we will believe you because we have seen you walking now. And then he again blindfolds and walks. Then he says that I am going to have a cycle and ride on it. People, he asks people that do you trust me that I'll be I'll be able to do you believe me that I'll be able to walk or I'll cross in this on a cycle because people have seen him uh, seen him uh, walk, seen him uh, cross it uh, cross it blindfolded. They say yeah, yeah, we believe him that you will cross on it on a cycle. But before he takes the cycle, he turns back and asks, will you join, any of you want to join me on this? And no one joins him. No one is able to take that courage or step of faith. Ki, because though they are still believing, ki he will be able to do. But when he asks, ki, can anyone come and sit with me and we'll go to it together? Uh, there, is, there is no one able to take that step. But a, 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 but a person comes forward. And he says that I will, I will come with you. I know that you can take it, uh, take me through. And it is mentioned that this person is his son, who has seen him all throughout his life, who has had that relationship with him, who has seen him day in and day out, who has experienced him in a way that he knows that his father can pull it off, his father can take him through. And I think that is a, quite a distinction of how believers can become a trustworthy a people of trust who can trust God, who can take that leap of faith. We might be seeing different miracles that Jesus has done. We might be knowing everything what Jesus has taught us. Might be, we might be knowing the <clears throat> Ten Commandments, the Sermon on the Mount. But still it takes a leap of faith to trust Him on that journey. To trust Him on that uh, rope and walk with Him. And that's what Jesus wants to teach here to His disciple. That learn to trust. If I say that you put the uh, net on this side, you will catch fish. Don't use your uh, fisherman knowledge that we have been fishing for night and we have, have so many of experience or we have done so many things and who is this person standing on the shore and asking us to put our nets. He says that if, you tell, if I tell you I know I am a sovereign God, trust in me. Um, and that's what I think he teaches us as well. He, to live a fruitful life, to live a, do a fruitful ministry that we need to do. We need to learn to trust him. Not only to trust Him, but to obey His sovereignty. We need to accept that, not only believing His sovereignty, but also trusting. Trusting when He asks us to maybe do something, maybe go to this place, go to, the, go, to, uh, go to a person and meet Him, or take up this ministry, or go to a city, change your job. Maybe we need to learn to trust Him that if He is our Father, we can, though we know all about Him, we need to accept that we can follow Him towards, uh, towards the summit as well. Uh, going to the last uh, teaching that Jesus has, also interesting in this uh, passage as I mentioned, again uh, uh, Jesus has a third kind of teaching for his uh, disciples, which is again has a kind of a recall, isn't it? The first one we saw that Jesus took them to the Lake of Galilee as it was the case in the first, uh, first calling of disciples. There was a recall, everyone went, like the seven of his disciples went to Galilee. At the place where they were first called, Jesus has this, uh, Jesus comes and calls them. The second uh, calling, uh, the second uh, lesson that he teaches, again has a recall. You saw in Luke chapter 5, where Jesus called the first disciple. He had asked them to uh, put the net 
and they had got a fish. Uh, and and this time also he asked them to cast the net, and uh, they get a lot of fishes. But an interesting thing is mentioned here, which is not as the case in the first 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 instance when Jesus calls the disciples. If you look uh, closely to the verse uh, verses eleven, it mentions so Simon Peter climbed back into the boat and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, one fifty three. But even with so many net was even with so many the net was not told. And if you come to Luke five, there a contradiction to this happens. Luke five, uh, uh, Luke five, and in in uh, from uh, verses twenty seven onwards, when Jesus calls his disciples and he asks them to cast cast the net. In that case, the net breaks off. The so many fishes come inside. But the net is—they uh, are not able to pull the uh, pull the net uh, back in, and the net uh, starts, and the boat starts sinking. Uh, it's interesting why it is mentioned here in John 21, very specifically with so many of uh, so many of fishes, the net didn't break off. And I think Jesus is preparing for that great commission. And often in in their lives, these disciples, as the twelve of them will take forward the gospel there will be people who might be coming into church and going out falling apart people who might be visiting visitors as jesus talked that some will hear the gospel but some will fall back and for for people for a congregation to not fall back as fishers of men if they are catching fish and for them to not fall back it's important that apart from trusting in their own activities ability it's important that they trust in god of god is the person who will who will bring them in and who will keep them in the church and that's an important lesson that he is teaching that i am the one who will make them stay in the net as well not only i'll bring people inside but i will i'm the one who will stay who will keep them uh, keep them in the church as well and i think the last and final bit of it where he is bringing it to almost a climax uh, the entire scene of almost like a interesting uh, movie isn't it of recall of a total recall happening flashback happening being at the same place where we started almost a cycle coming to an end uh, going through the same incidences that happened in the first journey in the first calling of the disciples now it's almost the last part where Jesus has this interaction with Peter and again this is a uh, this is also a kind of a flash back for Peter isn't it Peter denied Jesus three times was very confident when you look to look about Peter's denial just before Peter's uh, denial Jesus Jesus uh, tells that everyone will leave me and Peter says that even if all of those guys leave you I will not leave you I'm going to stay with you and and it happens that Peter denies Jesus and God is going to address that very issue here in this last last teaching that he's teaching his disciples he's going to ask Peter some very very pointed uh, questions but notice that Peter denied three times and again Jesus is going to ask him uh, three times and just before he meets peter uh, it is mentioned here that uh, if you come to verses 12 jesus said to them come and have breakfast none of the disciples dared to ask him who are you they knew it was the lord jesus uh, came took the bread and gave it to them and uh, and and did the and did the same with the fish this is the now uh, third time jesus appeared to his disciple uh, from uh, when he was uh, raised uh, from the dead So you see, Jesus was again there with, uh, ready with uh, breakfast, ready with breakfast. 
It's interesting to note here, uh, Jesus already had fish uh, before disciples gave them. Isn't it? Disciples got the fish, but it says that Jesus was already preparing a breakfast for them with uh, some fish and with some bread. And it's also important, I think, that teaching that we have from this is also that God can do different ways as ministry. He can bring people uh, on his on his different on his on his methods or through other ways as well but i think he wants us to get involved in this ministry that could be any ministry maybe a sunday school ministry a youth ministry or anything that you want god is able to do even without your help or without your support but the reason he asked them that give me your fish as well and we will have breakfast uh, together is because he wants us to get involved in god is a very relational god he wants us to be part of the great uh, commission that he has done and he tells them that come uh, give me some fish and we will have the breakfast but the setting in which this happens is God is cooking uh, breakfast or Jesus is cooking breakfast he's having coal he's having furnace and that's the same place where kind of Peter denied is preparing if you if you look I might not go into the scriptures but if you look closely Peter denies Jesus right at a fireplace like a, a setting where there was people were taking a warm uh, warmth due to winter and he sits there and denies uh, denies Jesus it's the same kind of setting is created here where again Jesus is near a furnace uh, not a furnace uh, he is uh, cooking uh, cooking with fish on a coal and everyone is seated having breakfast and that's where Jesus asks uh, to Peter others uh, three questions he starts with uh, Peter uh, reading from verses 15 he says Simon son of John uh, do you love me more than this the first question that uh, Jesus uh, asked uh, if you could go to the previous slide um, there are Greek the language here mentions of only one love because I think in our English language uh, we we don't have different definitions of love but it is said that the type of questions that Jesus asked Peter Whereof, uh, or whereof different nature of love that he asked. The first time he asked, Greek mentions of four types of love that are there. One is stoge, which is a love between family. Uh, philia, which is a love between friends. Eros, love between a couple. And agape, a love of God. So the first love, the first, first time Jesus asked Peter, is kind of asking him that Simon, son of John, do you love me as agape, as an unconditional love? Do you love me unconditionally? And he has a follow-up there. Love me more than any of this. Any of this, what, what is this? I, we are not sure whether it is the disciple, whether it is the fish and the boat. But he has a closing, uh, closing uh, sentence where he says, Simon, son of John, do you love me unconditionally than any of this? Uh, and Peter replies, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But it is said that this love that Peter says is not the same unconditional love that he has. For He is an answering in the same same terms that Jesus asked him. Peter's answers to Jesus is in Storgi, the first kind of love that is there. So Jesus asked, do you love me unconditionally? Peter responds to us, yes Lord, I love you affectionately. I like you. So Jesus says then, take care of my sheep. Then uh, feed my lamb. Jesus again asked, the second time he asked that Peter, do you love me unconditionally? And Peter again says that, uh, Jesus, I love you affectionately or I like you. Because Peter has had that experience of failing Jesus or denying him when, when it, was, it was his chance to take a stand. Uh, though he, have, he might have he had confessed or he might have confessed and he has 
reconcile, but they're still not in that confident level that maybe I'll be able to take up a, uh, again, should I commit to God that I love him unconditionally? Because that is that fear that what has happened, uh, that I have, I'm a sinner, I have denied Lord. And the third time Jesus asked, it said that Jesus comes to his level. Jesus asked Peter that, Peter, do you love me affectionately? And Peter says that, he, Peter is hurt because Jesus has uh, asking him for the third time. And if you see, it says that, he said, Lord, you know, uh, uh, feed my ship. Uh, it says that, he said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And it also mentions that Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him. Jesus comes to the crux of the things. Whatever you have done. Before this, remember, Jesus has met Peter. He was, he had, he had an uh, interaction with Jesus or he appeared to Peter. There was no record of this detailed conversation. Even in times of sitting in a breakfast table, uh, it's kind of, it gives me a sense like maybe in a cell group setting, everyone is a believer discussing and suddenly someone, maybe a spouse asks you, do you love me? Or do you love me? It's that kind of an embarrassing situation for Peter, whereas everyone is sitting and Jesus is asking that, do you love me? Jesus doesn't like uh, matters to be unresolved. Just before he goes to uh, goes to uh, heaven, before his ascension, he wants to make sure that Peter is fully reconciled with him. Not only at a level, at 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 a superficial level where he has appeared to him, he has had that interaction to see him, but he wants to get it affirmatively from his mouth that he has, he truly does love him. And he is willing to go to that level. He starts with questioning at an agape level, but he ends up going to his level, that is at stroke level, that's first level that Peter is comfortable with saying that, do you love me at this, uh, do you love me affectionately? And he responds saying, feed my uh, sheep. And I think that's, that's what God also wants us to uh, have as an application here, that uh, if you could go, go to the next uh, uh, slide. Uh, Peter asked God in, in previous, uh, previous instances that how much should I forgive my brother? And God had replied them that you should not seven times but 77, uh, seven times but 77 times. And he wants to teach them that in your ministry, in your life, not only you will need to accept human inability, you not only you need to trust and obey, but you need to learn forgiveness and reconciling with people. Like as I am doing forgiving you, you will face challenges in your life. You will face difficulties in your ministry. A great commission of spreading the gospel to the entire world. And you will have disappointments. And you will have people who might not go along with you. And you need to learn to forgive them. Not only forgive them, but uh, reconcile, uh, reconcile with them. And it's interesting. Jesus says that, uh, Jesus doesn't ask that, do you love my sheep? He wanted to get ministry done, isn't it? That could be a proper question. Do you love the people because uh, you are going to minister to people? But he says that, do you love me? And if you love me, you feed my sheep. And that is also a very interesting teaching that Jesus has it for us. He, our ministry, our life, our whatever small ministry, maybe a nursing ministry or a, uh, or a preaching ministry or anything that we are involved in, it's not dependent on how people respond or how people react to our... It's not dependent on people as such, but it's dependent on loving God as such. And because we love God, we do minister. It sometimes gets challenging for people who work in hospital settings. Several doctors are worshipping in our church. But it's not always good, it's not possible to love a patient who are not, not listening to your instruction. You, there will be chances of disappointment. 
but still they continue to persevere. Several, I had the privilege of living and observing very many missionaries as I grew up, and their engagement with community, their engagement with different people, and their engagement uh, to live and serve God with meager means is not dependent on environment or, or settings that they live in or settings that they are uh, their rejection from people or their uh, not uh, honor that they receive but is fully trusting God and his love for him so his love actually translates into action that they are able to love the community or love his people as such and as I close I think uh, the other thing which uh, maybe I wanted to leave a thought was Jesus uh, kind of reinstates uh, Peter here. He gives a second chance to Peter. I think quite often uh, we, uh, we hear in our word, uh, world is that uh, you can forgive but you cannot forget or you cannot trust that person. Learn from your mistakes that never to give a responsibility for a person who has squandered it. And Jesus' teaching is quite radical here where he kind of reinstates Peter saying in front of all his disciples that feed my sheep and you are going to lead the ministry here. And at any point, uh, uh, any point, whatever the situation, and when, when we submit to him, as Peter submitted his, uh, as, Peter, as Peter did confess that he loves God three times, three times he denied, three times he confessed that he is he's, he's loving him, Jesus is able to take it from that level. Whatever that level that may be, maybe that could be at a, at a, at a level that we had uh, spoiled our first love. Revelation 2 talks about that but I have this against you that you have left your first love. Maybe when we started our life as Christians, as believers, right after experiencing salvation, we might be all full for Jesus, all full for his ministry. And over a period of time, we might have lost that, uh, that first love, that first instance of love for God. But today Jesus is able to take us from that level that we have. Whatever level, maybe it could be store gave, whether it could be a very low level of relationship that we might, or affection that we might have for, for him. But he's able to take us from that level and give us the same responsibility, give us the same honor, give us that same, uh, same life, that, that fruitful life that is needed uh, for a Christian living. So coming back to the summary of uh, what, uh, what are the Jesus teaching? Very interesting, isn't it? Taking back to the same setting, setting it up for Jesus, asking them to travel for three days, being on the sea, getting nothing, then teaching them that you are not able to do anything. If you want to achieve the Great Commission, if you want to have a fruitful living, first remember that you will not be able to do anything without me. Second is not just believe. Don't just believe what that God is a good God, God is a creator, God is a, He provides blessing but learn to trust and obey him. That's the second teaching he teaches. And the last one, whatever, whatever stage in life you are, if you are able to turn back and commit to him, he's still able to take you from that same level. Peter was totally disappointed that he had denied Jesus. He had maybe, he might be of, uh, he, this is just an assumption, but Peter may be of the view that he will do something for the Lord, but not a great ministry. Maybe he might be a follower uh, in a B team of disciples, but not a leader of a person. But Jesus says that uh, since he confessed, he says that you will be like, you will be the rock on which I will build my church. He is able to reinstate to his first glory or first honor itself. And that's what I think Jesus wants to teach us today. Okay, whatever situation that you are in or whatever level that you are in, I will 
come down to that level and if you are able to again love me, if you are again able to commit to commit uh, me to yourself, I can take you from that level to uh, and, and make your life and make your ministry very fruitful. Um, and um, as I invite the music team maybe to come up for uh, music, if you, shall we all rise up and maybe close our eyes uh, for a few minutes and reflect upon this uh, verse. And as I close, maybe before praying, I just wanted to read out this very interesting uh, poem that I came across. It's written by a painting teacher and it talks about how God as a teacher uh, has, has, been, has been his help. It, it, the poem is titled, A New Sheet, A New Day. It talks about a painting student, a painting student coming to this teacher and he says that he came to my desk with a quivering, quivering lift. The lesson was done. Have you a new sheet for me, dear teacher? I have spoiled this one. I took his sheet, all spotted and blotted, gave him a new one, all unspotted, and into his tired heart I cried, Do better now, my child. I went to the throne with a trembling heart. The day was done. Have you a new day for me, master? I have spoiled this one. He took the day, all spotted and blotted, gave me a new one, all unspotted, and into my tired heart he cried, do better now, my child. A God is a God of second chances. He can come to the level that we were, we are, and He can still raise us to His first, first love, to His first interaction, first encounter that we had. Shall we look to the Lord and recommit ourselves as we close the sermon? Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you, Lord, for this time of meditating from Your Word that we could have, Lord. Lord, we thank you that You have. Uh, several lessons that you have in your scripture that are still that still resonates with us even after so many years that have passed lord lord we thank you that your grace that has been sufficient for this day is also able to teach us that we need to we need to accept our inability we need to uh, not be proud we need to submit to your will and we need to learn to trust and obey lord trust what your sovereign will is trust your sovereignty and obey your commandments so that we can remain in you we can abide in you lord but we also know that you have loved us even before we knew, knew us, Lord. You have plans for us. And if we are willing to recommit ourselves, if we are willing to come at the stage to us, you will still be able to take us to that first honor, to the great honor that you have. Help us to, Lord, recommit ourselves. Help us to trust and obey your word and commit ourselves to a fruitful living so that we will be able to glorify your name in this, in this earthly life, Lord. Lord, we once again commit all of us into your hands. I ask this prayer in the name of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ.